Hello and welcome to the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us. Today's message is here to help you preach the good news everywhere in your day-to-day life. Here at Covenant Fellowship, we accomplish this by encountering God, loving people, and serving others with everything we've got. Now let's dive in. Y'all see a bunch of stuff up here on the stage today. That's all right. I'm going to illustrate just a little bit. Things look a little bit different, but that's all right. I love to do illustrations. Hopefully, they'll get to your, you know, hopefully, they'll speak to you and make the Word of God come to life uh, in some way, somehow, some shape, some form that maybe in another way you've not seen it before. So I just pray that this morning everything makes, makes sense to you. We just finished a series that we called Completely Covenant. We looked through our mission, vision, and values. And as we start another one, uh, and, and we're moving into this series, and if you'll notice, the one builds off of the other. The last one, with our mission, vision, and values, now we're going to construct that. We're going to go in this new series called Under Construction. And I pray that you hear this because... It's not just under construction for the church, it's under construction for your life. I'm going to show you some things about the Word of God that you may have not considered before. And I hope that to be able to illustrate it with you a little bit, first off, this set of plans here that is up here on the stage. I'll explain them in just a few minutes. But everything has to work from the plan. Now, what this plan is actually is the plan, the preliminary plan for the church building we hope to build. All right, so this, it's very preliminary. It's got a lot of work yet to be done to it, but I want you to just kind of note that just a little bit. And we'll illustrate this hopefully in a way that makes sense. But just like every one of our series, every, almost nearly every message that I've preached here now for two years, I want to begin this off with a flagship scripture that I believe God is speaking to us from. And it's Isaiah 60, 1 and 2. Most of you can about quote this now. But I want us to read from Isaiah 60. This is not the scripture that's going to start this series per se, but this is the scripture that I believe is guiding our hearts as a church for this day, for this moment, for this hour. I'm going to rewind for you back in uh, 2020. In 2020, the Lord, actually it was right at the end of 2019, I was praying, I was seeking the Lord, and I was saying, God, what do you want for this church? The Lord began to lay up on my heart Isaiah 61 and 1 through 2. Those were the first two verses, which says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I knew that scripture just burned deeply with inside of me, so in January of 2020, our first uh, Sunday in January, I begin to show you this passage of Scripture and share with you. I don't know what God's going to do with this, but I believe He's saying to us, Arise and shine. And that for us to arise, shine, for the light has come, and I recognize that light to be Christ, the gospel. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, the the glory of the Spirit of God that now resides in every human being that's born again as a result of salvation. 
that the Spirit of God living inside of you would be the source of the light. I don't have time to go through a couple years ago. I went through a whole teaching of the tabernacle in the Old Testament and had one of the big candlesticks up here, had the menorah, and taught you how that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How that, that, that the, fi- the fruit and the fire is the same thing as the fruit of the Spirit and the fire of the Spirit. And how both of those have to be in place. It's the fruit that holds up the fire because if the fruit doesn't hold up the fire, the fire will burn the thing down. How many of you know there's a lot of people with a lot of fire, but if they don't have any fruit, they start burning down the testimony and all those around them? Huh? They may have the fire, the zeal of the Lord, but if they don't have the fruit that holds that up, you can shout, speak in tongues, run the aisles at church, but if you go home cussing people out, nobody believes you. You're burning it all down. But in the ministry of the Spirit of God, it is that light of the Spirit of God, that glory that is upon you that we're supposed to shine. And he says, though, he says, darkness shall cover the earth. Now, in 2019, you know, I'm thinking, I don't understand what that means except for I know that sin covers the earth. I know that sin is on every continent and and in every person that has ever been born. But here's the truth. I didn't know how drastic that would become in March of 2020. I did not know that in March 2020 there would be a pandemic that would reach literally around the world on every continent and that God would be saying for us to arise and shine. And to elevate that just a little bit, if you ever look back in the Old Testament and you see when the priest and the king says the same thing, it's usually a way to get the attention of the nation of Israel. You would usually have a priest or a prophet that was saying a specific thing, and then sometimes if the king reiterated it, you had it on two different levels. You had it on the spiritual dynamic, and you had it on the political dynamic. Now, I'm not here to be political today, but I need you to hear me for just a few minutes. So it was in March of 2020 that I got a call from a friend of mine who said that he, myself, and some others had been invited on a phone call with the President of the United States. And I thought, well, that's no way. That can't be real. Are you interested? And I said, sure, I'm interested. And so sure enough, I had to call a particular line. They took us through all different types of security protocols. Had to push all these different buttons, say different things. Finally got in, and as we were on, several people were on, several pastors across America was on. And the President of the United States gets on along with the Vice President of the United States, and they begin to encourage uh, leadership and encourage pastors to say, at the moment and time with which we are in, we really need the church to shine brighter than it's ever shined before. Now, this stuff's just going off inside of my head. So help me, the President of the United States said, this reminds me of the prophet Isaiah when he said, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. When, when he said that at the same time that I know in 2019, the Lord spoke that to my heart about the thematic uh, operation of our church and the calling of our church It really was profound for me. I started thinking of those situations in the Old Testament where you had the spiritual authorities. And I have, only authority that I have is that which is bestowed upon me by the Lord called to be a pastor. But I believe that's profound. And then you have leadership on a political level saying the same thing. Here's where I took that. Here's where where I received that for me. I received that in a way that if you've got God trying to get the attention of his people to arise shine, I'm going to perk my ears up. I didn't use it to solidify 
presidencies. I didn't use it to try to make me think on a political line. What I understood it to be was God Almighty trying to get the attention of His people. Because if His people, which are called by His name, humbles themselves, prays, seeks His face, turns from their wicked ways, then you hear from heaven. There's a response that comes from a heavenly realm into an earthly realm that shifts everything. And so I began to really grasp this arise, shine thing. So that has become our theme scriptures now for the, since, uh, since um, the end of 2019 going into 2020 and still carries on this year. And as I begin to read this and just be in this more, I feel like the Lord at the beginning of this year, added the rest of these verses down to verse 5. So I hope that maybe you as a family are going home and studying this. And I need you to understand, I know that you, if you do a, just a surface level study, you'll say, a lot of the commentaries will say that, well, this is God using Isaiah to speak to the nation of Israel. But you have to understand, even though I do not believe that we're a replacement of Israel, I don't believe that at all. I think that's poor theology we don't replace Israel. We're the Gentile church. God still has a plan for Israel. Okay, we're not replacing Israel, but here's what I understand. What God showed Israel in the realm of the spiritual and spiritual principles now operate through us and in us. And the Bible says there's a reason for that. God is making his people jealous for him through it. So here's the point. When you study this out, don't just see it as a historical document. See it as a present infinitive, something he wants to do now and continue to do on. Are you ready? So here it is. It's Isaiah 61 through 5 says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, that's unbelievers, Anytime you see Gentiles, it is non-Jewish people. And in this context, it's other nations outside of the Jewish people that don't serve Yahweh God. He said, the Gentiles shall come to the, your light. He said, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They shall gather together. They shall come to you. And I love this part. Your sons shall come afar, from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. What does that mean in a spiritual dimension? I believe that that means that our prodigal children and our wayward children are coming back to the Lord as the glory of the Lord is rising, as we are proclaiming the goodness of God, as the fire of the Lord is building on our lives. Then you shall see and become radiant. I love that. Your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea. Not the, not the Pacific, not the Mediterranean, not none. No, no. The, the, it, 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 remember when Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The sea that God is talking about is humanity. And he, want, he said, I'm going to bring the abundance of the sea. The, the, even the wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. That's an amazing thing. So I hope that this is something that you, as part of this church family, is something that you're reading, something that you're meditating on, something that you're praying about. And I don't want to start any series without reminding us that everything that we're doing is for the glory of God. And what we're supposed to be doing now is arising and shining. So you need to shake off all your heavy burdens. 
You, you, you need to lay it all at the feet of Jesus. You need to let go of all of your dissension. You need to let go of all your hurt. You need to let go of all of your pain. You need to let go of all of your sin. You need to let it just lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Get down, get serious with God, and just see what God will do through your life. I believe it's going to be an incredible thing. Listen, I do not believe the best days are behind us. I believe the best days are ahead of us. And I know some, of peop some people that are so saturated in politics don't see how that can happen because their guy isn't in the office. Listen to me, man. If there's one thing that I really need to try to help us to do is not be saturated always in political jargon. You'll miss God if you do that. You'll miss God if you do that. The kingdom of God has never been dependent upon the White House, never been dependent upon Rome, never been dependent upon any other political leader ever. The Bible says the government of the kingdom rests upon the shoulders of Jesus. Of his government and of his kingdom, there shall be no end, friends. And so we've got to get our focus back on the Lord. How can you say amen to that? So, here we go. Man, that was a long setup for just starting this little series, but, but I pray that you grab this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go into making our mission, vision, and value statement here real quickly. Our mission at Covenant Fellowship Church, we exist to preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. What do we want to see? We want to see people encounter God. We want, we want them to experience the love of God and want them to know that they can serve in the kingdom of God. Our core values are that we are word-centered. Amen? We are word-centered. I still believe that the word of God is infallible truth. Amen? Amen? Let me say, I need to hear you. When I say amen, I'm hoping to get a little bit of a response from that. Y'all know I need a little help. I'm not that good of a preacher, so y'all got to help me. I get better if you help. We are word-centered, spirit-led, presence-driven, mission-engaged, Family value. Huh? And worship focused. Those are our values. That's what we want to value. We, we see the mission. We know the mission field. We want to preach the good news to everybody. And it is good news, friend. The gospel is, is the word. The word gospel means good news. We preach the good news to everyone. And in doing that, we want you to have an encounter with God. Above all things, I pray you have an encounter with God today. I want you to experience his love today through somebody here, through his word, through, his, through his, the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience the love of God. And finally, I want you to know that there's room for you in the kingdom. You mean me? Absolutely, yeah. There's room for you in the kingdom. So are you ready to construct here a little bit? Let's construct this thing a little bit. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. The Bible says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Now, it's talking about Jesus here. And you also say, that means me. Huh? Say it. Say, that means me. Actually, if you want to preach to your neighbor, tell him that means you as well. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through 
Jesus Christ. Bow your head with me a minute. Father, in the name of Jesus, for the next few minutes, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to perceive. I pray that the Holy Spirit would explode within us the truth of your living word so that we'd be able to live by the truth of the word of God. You said your word is a lamp in our feet, it's a light on our path. Ignite that light so that we see clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago when I was praying about ministry, about what God was going to do in my life, my wife and I, we were renting at the time. And we decided, you know, if, is it time for us to build a house? We'd found some land. Actually, it was a God thing. There was, a, there was an area in this town. It's very notable for a high rent section of town. Um, uh, there, there, a lot of houses over there are larger. Um, you know, people drive very, very expensive vehicles. It's a very nice end, end of town. Everyone's yard is usually well kept. It's, it's, it's just a beautiful area to live and I am from, man, I am from Podunk Nowhere, okay? I am from the place where cars are on blocks out in the front yard. Uh, tires are everywhere. Um, I mean, it, it, it can be junky. It, I mean, literally, people, it's just a very different area. And so, you know, as a little boy or as a younger man, as I was, I was I'd gotten a little bit older and moved over this way, I'd drive through this section of town and I would think to myself, man, it'd be awesome to live there. Probably never will one of these days, but it'd be awesome to live there. Just in this section of town. And so, uh, you know, my wife and I get saved at 23 and we're serving God. Well, two acres of land became available to us in that area. I don't have time to go into all of the story because it's a pretty incredible story. Because land over in that area is very expensive. We got two acres of land for $750. But we were praying, God, where do you, are you going to take us to California? Are you going to take us to Texas, Alaska? Where are we going to pastor? Or where are we going to serve you? What do you got for our lives? We didn't know. And we were praying, God, if you're going to take us away, we don't, we don't want to build here. We don't want to do any of that stuff. But if this is where you've planted us, if this is the place that you have for us, if this is the area that you have for us, God, you're going to make a way. You're going to open doors. And when that door opened for us to get two acres of land for $750, number one, I was blown away. Secondly, if you look at the pattern of my life, I worked at a, at a, at a garment manufacturing plant. Some of you that's here in this church worked there. And I started there sweeping the floors. I started sweeping the floors, and, you know, I just stayed at it through school, worked my way up, thought I was going to go do something else and left and come back. And, the, well, I, while I was gone, the owner called me one day, and he said, hey, if you'll come back and work, I'll make it worth your while. So I did come back, and I began to learn how to work on the equipment. From that point, he started sending myself and others to different places to uh, look at equipment, buy equipment, and, and change things for the 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 plant that we have, and we'd, we'd go there. And I remember when he gave me the, the tag, I, I got to read it uh, at, at what was called the Bobbin Show at the time in Atlanta. I got to read it. It said, Plant Engineer. Now, woo, yeah, I didn't go to school for engineering, but that was my title, at least if for a while it felt really good. But the truth is, is and, and others could verify this that, that work here, there was, there was a lot of authority given to just such a young man. But in, in, that, in that arena, you know, we, Charmin and I, we, uh, we, we got married. We actually met at that plant. We got married, and uh, 
and, and we're, we're building a life together. God calls us, we, he saves us, calls us into ministry. And so we recognize this is the place that God was going to have for us uh, uh, here. And, and while we were here, uh, th- this, the place that God has for us, the door opened that we could buy, build our own house. And how that worked was the plant, once NAFTA opened up, NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement, once that happened, a lot of the textile industry started going to uh, Mexico, Indonesia, a lot of different countries. And so I, my, our plant was about to be out of business because we were doing stuff for Disney. We were doing stuff for Vanity Fair. We were doing stuff for different places. And, and they were getting people in other countries to do it a lot cheaper than we were. So all of a sudden, the textile industry is leaving the country like crazy. And uh, so I had to shift jobs. When I shift jobs... I went to work, I, the, 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 I ended on a Friday, and the Monday I went to work for my father-in-law building houses, and I learned how to build houses. didn't take me long to learn how to build houses, and I built my own house. My father-in-law, myself, and some folks, actually one of the guys from the church here helped some, and, and, and I, I had some different folks to help me from different times, and we built my house. I worked for my father-in-law for the span of about five to six years and built about 50, 60 houses within that period of time. That's a lot of houses in a short period of time, but I learned how to build a house. So I, I learned what it took to, you know, you could go to any piece of land and I would understand what it's going to take for you to have this house here. Not just what kind of money it was going to take, but what had to happen to the land all of the things. Now, I look at my life right now, and I say, you know what? I recognize some things that God was doing all along to bring me to this position, the place that I am right now. So I want to take you through a building, a construction process that I hope you understand from First Peter about how God is building, but we are to co-labor with him. I'll give it to you in just a few minutes. I'll show you the passage of Scripture in just a few moments, how we co-labor with God. So now I want to draw your attention to this set of plans right here, and I'm, and I'm going to get my construction outfit on if that's all right while I'm talking. But, but I want to talk just a little bit about a set of plans. If somebody says to you, God has a plan for your life, they're absolutely right. There is a blueprint for your life. Okay? There's a blueprint for your life. But here's what people think sometimes. Okay, if God has it all laid out, then what happens is I live life along a timeline. And because I live life along a timeline, God said, okay, in 2020, this is what it's going to look like. 2021, this is gonna, what it's going to look like. 2022. And he does if you participate with him. In other words, this plan is not automatic. God's foreknowledge of your life is not causative. Just because he knows what he's played and planned out for your life, that doesn't make it automatic. You can't walk into Burger King and become a Whopper automatically. You, you don't, just because you walk through your garage, you don't all of a sudden become a car. You, God has a plan for your life, okay? God. Abba Father has a plan for your life. The chief engineer of that plan is Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes the way. He's the one who made sure what it's going to cost to be able to do it. And he paid the cost. The Holy Spirit is, is, is kind of, 
Now, let me, let me just put it to you this way. And this, this illustration is going to fall apart a little bit because I need you to work with me here a little bit. It's going to fall apart a little bit because you need to know that God is always active in your life by the Spirit. But let me put, say it this way. God the Father is the architect. Jesus is the engineer. And the Holy Spirit is the superintendent. In other words, the Holy Spirit is sent here so that the job for your life is overseen well. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, you are to be led by the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is here to make sure that the plan of God for your life gets built properly. You with me? So the Spirit of God working in your life. But here's here's the thing. You've got to partner with God. As we go through this series, I'm going to talk about some things. Build with God in terms of this series, Construction. Under construction, we're going to have to learn to build with God. We're going to have to build with purpose. We're going to have to build with faith. We're going to have to build with generosity, and we're going to have to build with love. But I want to start off with building with God and how this works. Now, listen to me. I had to set my heart and mind to learn how to build houses. When I worked with my father-in-law, he wanted to know if, when I was, if I could come to work for him I said, yes. I said, I'm asking you to be patient with me because I'm going to ask a thousand questions. The way my mind works, you can't just go tell me to make a rough opening this size. Like if a door is supposed to be 36-inch door and you need a rough opening of 38 inches, I need to know why behind that. Because the way my mind works is that if you tell me the why, I might find out a way that I can do it that makes sense to me faster. And so he would take the time to explain to me why this rough opening has to be a certain size. Why you have to leave certain gappage. Why you need to, what makes everything work the way that it works. And it took me a little while. Took me maybe a few months. I don't know how long it took me, but after a while it started clicking with me. Things I could remember. It it all began to stick out with me. And as time moved on, you know, I I mean, I could do this stuff on my own. I didn't have to ask him. I could go back to the plans, and the plans told me what needed to be and where things needed to go. I remember as time went on, he would talk to me about maybe potentially taking that business and running it. And I said, the only thing that would stop that is if full-time ministry opened up, and full-time ministry did, and that's where my life went. But at the same time, it was at those times that I I was meeting with people that wanted to build a house, and, you know, this couple that's joyful and ready to build a house and they've got their plans ready and we'd we'd meet with them and let them know how much it's going to cost and they'd go get their financing, get everything ready, get it all taken care of and then we would start the process. We'd start the process of building. I want to take you to a passage of scripture uh, here in Proverbs chapter 23 or 24. You, you, You have to set your mind, everybody listen to me, you have to set your mind to build with God. Let me say that again. That was really... You have to set your mind to build with God. Wait a minute. God's so big and God's so powerful. You, you see, I was talking to somebody earlier out in the foyer. I said, you know what? The Bible says that we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. We no longer know how things work biblically, so we just go through life haphazardly and say, God has a plan for me, but I mean, we, we don't see it working out like we think the Father had maybe originally plan. And I want to help you to walk in the plan of God for your life. 
Because if you walk in the plan of God, what he's doing with you as a lively stone is he's putting you within the body so that the kingdom is built together with you. Okay, so you got to set your heart to it. Here's why I say that. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So by wisdom, so, so you're, you're going to have to say, that's why you have to read the Bible. The reason we are saying to you that we're going to be a, a people that is word-centered is because you need to know the Bible. Now, why do I need to know the Bible? Let me help you to understand something. How many of you in this room are born again and you know it? Let me see your, let me see your hand. All right. When you got born again, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you. Now, I believe in baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll, part, we'll talk about that later. The Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you, all right? So he lives on the inside of you. Now, if the Holy Spirit is as much God as Jesus, as much God as the Father, then why do you have to know the Scriptures? If he lives in you, why do you have to know them? Why do you have to understand him inside of you and or understanding the Scriptures? Can't he just give you revelation of the Scriptures? Can't he just let you quote them all right now? Here's, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit wants to give you the words, the communication of heaven. It's kind of like you're trying to learn a new language. Like if you were to try to learn Spanish. If you didn't know Spanish, and I know there's some people in this room that know Spanish. But if you didn't know Spanish, if you didn't, if you didn't understand Spanish, the problem, the issue is not can you talk. The issue is, is that your understanding is fogged up. You, you don't understand the communication. You don't get it. You don't understand how it all works together. And studying the Word of God lets your natural man open up to the possibilities of what the Spirit could say to you specifically, personally. So when you are reading the Holy Spirit, your natural man, I did a teaching on a Wednesday night helping people to understand body, soul, and spirit and how communication from external runs from body, soul, spirit, but also how the communication from the spirit works from spirit, soul, and body. And your soul is the thing where everything gets locked up. Your ears deal with uh, 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 air pressure and nerves that's pushing against your eardrums. Your brain is interpreting that, but your soul is what makes sense of that mind Will and, and when your mind is being built by the Word of God, it's opening up an avenue so that the Spirit, kind of like building a four-lane highway where the Holy Spirit can communicate in the soulish man so that your soulish man is being sanctified as well because the Bible says that God wants to sanctify you completely. Body, soul, and spirit. And that was her flagship scripture of talking about that sort of thing. So the Spirit of God wants to do the work inside of you, but you have to pick up your Bible. You have to open up because it's the language of heaven. The Word of God is the language of heaven. And when you begin to read the Word of God, your capacity begins to expand. And when your capacity begins to expand, God will begin to talk to you. Why does He want to talk to me? Because He's building your spiritual house. He's building a spiritual house. And He calls you a lively stone. When I went to Israel in 2007, one of the things that amazed me was uh, some of the architecture there. 
some of the architecture would, would just blow my mind because I'm thinking building houses, we'd always put a rock clause. Y'all know what a rock clause in your house plans are? It's basically this. We write in a rock clause in your house that says, we'll dig the, the, the layout, the foundation of your house, but if we hit rock, it's going to cost you a whole lot more <laughs> because rock is hard to move. It's hard to bust. It's hard to cut. So you gotta, you got to be able, and, if, and you'll find all kinds of places. One of the reasons the whole Falls project up here cost the gazillions of dollars that it did is because of the stone. Trying to move that rock day in and day out, blasting it, trying to move it. It's tough on the equipment. You have to pay a lot of money to get it all blasted out. And here's the situation. We put a rock clause within the contract so that if we hit it, make, making sure it, it was going to cost a whole lot more. And we would have to rent equipment, equipment that would have rock busters and crushers on it and get somebody to dynamite it or whatever, depending on what the situation was. It was hard to move. And even small stones were hard to move for certain pieces of equipment. And I saw stones that were a part of the original foundation of the western wall and areas there that were larger than the stage. That's, that they cut and stacked on top of one another tens, like maybe, maybe even close to 100 feet tall. And my mind is, how did they do that? How did they do that? Man, that was some heavy lifting. How did they get? And if you ever do any study of the pyramids in Egypt of how they moved those big, huge stones without hydraulic equipment. Pretty, pretty impressive. God says, through wisdom, a house is built. And I believe how you build wisdom is willing to do the necessary, listen to me very carefully, necessary heavy lifting in your mind to open your, yourself up to the possibilities. Meaning, I know sometimes it's hard to understand but still study the Word of God. I know sometimes some things seem a little bit difficult but keep going because revelation will come to you and it will come to life at some point in time. So you're going to have to be willing to put your, put your tool belt on, Jack, or Jill, whatever you go by there. I'm going to put my tool belt on. This, is, this was my tool belt. Don't look at the loops that it used to be in. If you do, I did it. What would you say? Nah, that's my speed square. This is taking too long. But I want nobody else to help me because they'd say, man, that's an almost in the last belt loop. What you talking about, dude? <laughs> there was a day that it wasn't like this. It's, you, you got to have the necessary equipment to be able to make sure that you're going to be able to do the job which is before you. And here's what he says. It's going to be building a spiritual house. It's going to be able to be... I'm telling you, some of the toughest work that I've ever done in my life was building. Because it ain't easy humping two or three bundles of shingles on your shoulders up a ladder. 
Yeah, I know that we've gotten all fancy nowadays and they've got those ladder lifts that you can just run those things up and down or the truck that comes by has got a boom truck and he can put them up on the roof before. But I'm telling you, I started out, man, when it was putting a couple of, I couldn't put one on there probably now, but you put two bundles of shingles and head up a ladder, put it, up on, put it on the roof and then go down and get you some more and over and over again. In other words, someone thinks, okay, well, this serving God stuff, if he's already got a plan, boom, it should just happen. And he said, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10 says, this, I'm going to read this in the NIV. It says, for we are co-workers. Another translation says we're co-laborers. We're co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God has been given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. You know what that, let me just help you to see what I want to pull out of that scripture, is that we co-work with God. God says, hey, I got a plan for your life. Jesus said, yeah, and I engineered it all the way out. You can do it because I paid the price so that you could do it. I know what it looks like. Holy Spirit says, okay, I'm the superintendent. I've been sent here to lead you and guide you in all truth. Let's get to work. Now you have to now work with Holy Spirit. Now Holy Spirit in you goes to work first in you for you, on you for someone else. Can you say amen? So you're supposed to go to work in this thing. And as you go to work, you got to be able to begin to see, all right, here's what the foundation looks like. Somebody say boundaries. When I was building my house on that two acres of land, it's real pretty. It's got a real, kind of a rolled hill and comes up to a flat area. And on that flat area, there's a place that I wanted to put the house. But then I went to the building inspector, and the building inspector says, no, nope, you can't build it right there because you don't have the right setback. Setback is the property line from the property line to where the eave of your house sticks over. So if the setback is 20 feet, then you go from your property line and you look how much overhang you got on your house. And if your house has a two-foot overhang before the foundation actually starts, you got to consider that two feet. So actually you would go 22 feet and you could start digging right there for the foundation to start being laid out. It's there that you, you begin to put it. Because there's things that have boundaries. Amen? How many of you know God set for your life some boundaries? If you've ever traveled out Highway uh, 19 going to Lebanon, when you, get to, uh, when you get to Hansonville and you start up John Douglas Wayside, as you're going up John Douglas Wayside, there's a house about two-thirds of the way up on the right-hand side. And somebody that built that house, whichever builder built that house, didn't consider a setback. And when the highway department came through after the foundation was already laid, they told the man, you are sticking six foot into the right-of-way. You can't do it. You're going to have to move the whole house. Move the whole house? I didn't get the foundation laid. He said, well, the only other thing is cut it off. You're going to have to cut part of the house off. So you'll see this house that's 
it's, it's a rectangle-looking house, but as you get to this front corner, before you get to the corner of the house, the corner's chopped off of the house. Because he didn't consider the boundaries. You want to know why some of the blessings has been cut off of your life? You want to know why some things are missing? Because you've not been co-laboring with God and considering the, the boundaries. And boundaries are a beautiful thing, man. Let me tell you something. Boundaries are a beautiful thing. How many of y'all watch? Y'all probably didn't watch this. All the saved people that watched the Tennessee game yesterday. Oh, yeah, I got a few of y'all people in here saved, love Jesus. The rest of you probably love some other team. You know, when they're announcing, I actually didn't watch it. I had to listen to it on the radio, so I'm half saved. So I listened to it on the radio. And in listening to it on the radio, the announcer would say, into the checkerboard, touchdown, Tennessee. i like, woo We haven't been able to do that much lately. But <laughs> you know what that checkerboard represents? A boundary. It's a boundary that says if you get beyond this line, you score in baseball. You ever seen the guy up to bat, your team's down, and he hits one, and boom, and you see it off of the bat, and you're thinking, yes, it's going out, but it's curving left, and it goes outside of the boundaries. And it can be 480 feet long, man, but if it's not in the boundaries, guess what? You didn't win nothing. Go back and lick your calf over again. Take another pitch. Can you say amen? Boundaries are not a bad thing, man. It's how you score. It's how you get the long ball. It's how you get the touchdown. It's how it all works. It's how it all does. And so when you look at your life, you've got to understand, man, I can't step outside of the boundaries. That's not the plan of God. That's not the will of God for me. I've got to stay within the boundaries of what God has set for my life. How many of you know it's wisdom? Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. It's, sometimes it's not even, sometimes the choices are not necessarily, say, per se, say, per se sin. But how many of you know the Bible says, shun the very appearance of evil? Because what we try to do, if the setback is 20 feet, we got, we got to go 19.9999 to make sure we get it as close as we can. And God says, no, nah, make it 24. Because you're not supposed to even let your good be evil spoken of. The Bible says that, that if you, you got to shun the very appearance of evil, but we go right over and walk right up to it. Smudge the line if we can. And that's the problem, friend. God, the Bible says through wisdom a house is built. In other words, let the wisdom of God permeate your heart when you're looking at building this thing. Here's what he says. Here's why we're going to be building with God. The Bible says in Psalm 127. I forgot some of my stuff here, didn't I? Y'all, Psalm 127 yet? I don't know how I look in a hard hat. Probably pretty. Man, I feel like I need to go to Alaska now or somewhere. Listen, go to Psalm, Psalm 127. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain 
who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. What, what is he saying? He's saying that the problem here is, is that you've got to be being led by the Spirit of God. The Lord has to help you to understand the boundaries. He's got to give you the revelation. He's got to give you the understanding of it. And so here's where we are. We had a series that deal with our mission, vision, and values. But you know how that's, you know how it's going to come together? Is that if we all hear from the Lord, if we're all submitted to God, if we're all walking after the ways of the Lord, if we're all connecting to the things that God is saying to us, it's going to, it, that's extremely important. You want to know why we gave you at the beginning of the year, you want to know why we gave you a Bible reading plan? So it, so it filled your trash can up. So we could ignore it. No, man. The reason we gave you a Bible reading plan and the reason this is heavy on my heart is because I know we'll never get to... Your life will never be what it's intended to be. You'll never have that without God. You'll never have it without following the plan of God. You'll, you'll keep saying the religious thing. Well, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, you, listen to me. You want to know why you got fired from the last job? It wasn't God's fault. You just wouldn't get out of the bed and go on time. And that's our little religious thing we say. Well, it must not have been the will of God. You know what? If it was the will of God, he'd have told you not to go there to begin with. So we always use little religious sayings to keep us from the responsibility of getting the equipment on and going to work. Yeah, because going to work's too hard, right? Huh? We want somebody to give us a stimulus. Yeah, we want to be stimulated to be nothing. Stimulated to be nobody. Stimulated to have a wasted life that God said you're a spiritual house. You're supposed to be a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're supposed to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You're supposed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You're supposed to be able to preach the gospel that sets people free, man. But no, we'll use a little, we'll use a little religious excuse. Well, what in the will of the Lord? What in the will of the Lord? That wasn't God's plan for my life. When's the last time you went back to the plan? Let me tell you how many times I've had to go back to the plan while building a house. I took it section by section and piece by piece. I looked at this. This is what size that room's supposed to be. Here's where the windows is supposed to go. Here's where the electrical outlets are supposed to be. Here's where the plumbing goes in. Here's where the studs are supposed to go. Here's how that thing's supposed to lay out. And I would go back and I would look at it. And when I got, got a little bit confused, I didn't know what to do. You know what I did? I went back and looked at the plan again. Huh? When I got a little bit worried, am I building this right? Is the homeowner going to be okay with it? I just went back to the plan because they picked it out, Jack. God picked you out, friend. God already picked you out. And he says, I'm building something, but you're going to have to participate. Hmm, I feel the Lord. You're going to have to participate with me. I'm about to run all over this place. There'll be tools everywhere in a few minutes. Listen. Jeremiah 22 Verses 13 through 14 says, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice, who use 
his neighbor's services without wage. How many know you can't ride nobody's coattail on your journey? Listen, man, I think it's important to have a faith buddy. What we're going to launch here in 2022 is uh, serve buddies. What we hope to do is in every ministry, in every area that you serve, you're serving with a buddy. Everybody needs a buddy. I'm going to tell you about your serve buddy. Your serve buddy won't get you to heaven. Your serve buddy can encourage you. But listen to me, you, you can't withdraw without making a deposit. He says, you, you, God says, woe to him who, who goes to build a house out of unrighteousness and then hires somebody and don't pay him anything. Man, that almost sounds like marriage, don't it? Don't be making withdrawals without a deposit. That don't work in banking, by the way. Don't be making withdrawals without a deposit. Same thing works in church. Don't be making withdrawals without a... Yeah. He says, verse 14, who says, I will build myself a wide house with spacious chambers and cut out windows for it, paneling, in the, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. And that's a woe scripture. That's a woe coming from the words of Jeremiah the prophet who looked at a nation who said, God's not going to judge us. It's all good. Listening to other prophets saying, it's all going to be fine. And Jeremiah said, no, you're building a house and it's problematic. And how many of you know, how many of you know, the Babylonians came and overtook them. If you know your history, the Babylonians came and overtook them. At the preaching of Jeremiah, Jeremiah kept trying to say to them, listen, man, don't be building your house this way. Don't, don't make God's stuff look like this. And so here's the encouragement. I'm going to let you go. It comes from Haggai, Haggai chapter 1. The book of Haggai chapter 1. Y'all notice they didn't plug that up for me, right? Well, I wish it was plugged up. I just, I'd see squirrels all day long and just <laughs> be pushing this. Haggai chapter 1, verse 8 says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timbers and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. He says, go to the mountains and bring down timber. I don't know if you've ever cut wood in your life. I remember my, we grew up coal mining, or coal miners. My dad did. Grew up in coal mining country. And life was good. Don't y'all judge me for this. This is just how we knew how to live. Life was good when the coal mines wasn't on strike. When the coal mine wasn't on strike. And we could get a load of coal. Because a load of coal wasn't that hard to deal with. When we got a load of coal, basically, at first we used to burn lump coal. Because we didn't have a, like a stoker style furnace. So we'd burn lump coal. It wasn't too hard. We'd take a couple of five-gallon buckets, go over to the coal bin where we kept our coal dry. we fill up the coal buckets. That's what we called them. Carry them over to the house. Yes, it was messy. And there we would just lump the coal in. Very easy. 
It was easy to go get. We could go over to Dad worked at the coal mines. You'd go over to the coal mines, and the guy worked that run the outside work of the mines, he'd just take a loader, scoop up some coal, dump it in the bed of my dad's truck. Boom, he'd be home, and we'd be having, we'd have good heat for the winter. But sometimes we were, they were on strike, and they in no way my dad is going to pull up on that coal mine property while they're in strike because he was a union man. Back in those days. Not a union man now, but back in those days, if you went across a union picket line, you were liable not to make it back. You were labeled what they called a scab, a scab worker. A scab worker was one of those guys who took no thought of the union man's job because they're there now supposedly negotiating with the company to try to get more benefits, pay, whatever they do. And now the company needs coal going out or it can't afford anything, so it hires scab workers. The problem is, is that the union guys would be on the picket line. And they would have things like jack rocks. Jack rocks is just basically twisted nails that they throw out that your, car, your vehicle would get flat tires. So some of them were nice like that. All you would get is a flat tire or four. Remember, you're out of a job right now, and you need four tires. But a lot of times, it was way worse than that. I had some friends that went to prison because scab workers were going to the mines, and they decided to use some dynamite to blow up the mine. The father who knew about it, the feds was closing in on him and he committed suicide. He knew one of his kids had done it because he gave him the dynamite. There would be people shot at. State troopers would be shot at. Am I telling the truth? Some of you guys that grew up in the cold countries, you know what I'm talking about. Man, rednecks with high-powered rifles on the side of a, ooh, that's a scary thing. Shooting at people because, because, they were on strike. And when they were on strike, daddy wasn't about to cross the picket line, so he sat at home with no job. And if it's in the wintertime, now he had three boys. And three boys, we lived in Podunk, nowhere. I told you this already. Man, the mountains, so steep. Like, if you knew where we grew up, Robbie knows where we grew up. So steep. You don't get sun but about three hours a day. It's it, before it comes out behind a mountain and goes behind another one, you're done. Snow would be there like all year long. When it started snowing, it almost never melted in that, in that holla. We, could, we didn't call it holla. We called it holler. <laughs> we lived in the holler. And so it came time. Now we don't have... We don't have coal, so now we got to go cut some wood. It's dangerous. It's hard work. I remember my dad cutting down this big tree with a big idea. Hey, I get a big tree. We only have to cut one or two. We get plenty of wood. He cut this thing down. The bar on his chainsaw was like this long. He cut this thing down, and it's steep like this. He starts cutting it up, and these look like Fred Flintstone wheels. Y'all seen the wheels on Fred Flintstone's vehicle? I'm talking about big enough to, to kill, like it would level a house going down this, it's knocking over trees, all kinds of stuff. Dangerous, hard work. 
in order to be able to get. But you know what God says? I need you to go to the mountains. And I need you to cut down some timber. And I need you to bring them in and start building my house. Let me tell you something, friends. We talk about a move of God. We talk about revival. We talk about God doing great things. It's not going to happen automatically. We, we in the Pentecostals, charismatic, spirit-filled church, love spontaneity. But we love it to the point that we don't want to do the hard work necessary to see the house of God built well. I didn't get one amen, but that's all right. We don't want to do the necessary work. Friend, you can't have glory without prayer. You can't have breakthrough without praise. Man, we think this happens automatically, and in praise time we stand like statues. Keep our mouth closed. We think, well, God knows my heart. Yeah, and if you knew the plan of God, you'd know how to get better breakthrough. You'd know how to build well. you know how to do this thing. And all throughout the Scripture, God gave some incredible examples. Think about this. You know, when they cross over the Jericho and they come into Jordan, or they come in, you know, or they cross over the Jordan, come into Jericho, and they got this city with big walls. You know what God has them to do to be able to break through and break it down? Walk around it and shout. You know what I'm convinced of? And there, there would be, you know, you say, but man, that's good history. That's good stuff. What's the spiritual understanding of something like that? Here's one that I glean from it. Some breakthroughs will not get, you'll never get some breakthroughs until you loose your lips and begin to shout the praises of God. It, it can be just that simple. Man, I've seen people who just give God a good shout and get the breakthrough that they've needed. Shouting? Really? Listen, we're building in a spiritual dimension. When I start talking about building through faith in just a little bit, in a few weeks, I'm telling you right now, I pray that your faith is released to another dimension to be able to trust and believe God with faith. Because I'm telling you right now, God's resources are limitless. We're limited because we haven't studied the plan and don't know how to handle them yet. Stand with me. God's doing in your life is he's taking you from glory to glory he's building you he's building through you you have to know that he's going to co-labor with you so I said I don't know about those translations you use sound like you're just talking on a topic as I said do some study in the word of God Study to show yourself approved. Don't, don't, don't just read study. I love to do word studies. And some of the modern translations, some of them are bad. I, I'll give you that. Some of them are bad. But some of them have done the legwork for us that give us some of the, the, the meanings of the word in a better way that maybe you can understand it in a 20, 20, 21st century understanding. But still yet, we won't do the legwork to go deep into the things of God. I'm going to ask the band members to come back up here. How many of you have ever used the phrase, 
God's still working on me. Y'all remember that song? God's still working on me. We ain't going to sing it, but because I don't remember it, or I'd try to help you, but God is working on you. Yeah, he's working on you when you make mistakes, but I'm telling you, he's working on you when you ain't making mistakes either. He's still trying to work on you and develop you into a spiritual house. Now, he gave you the reason for it in the very beginning. Did y'all catch what it was? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God to God through Jesus Christ. God says that what he's going to do is he's going to come in. And when he comes into that house, where was it? I'm going to find it for you. He said, when you do it, and you do it with wisdom, he said, I'm going to fill the rooms. It's going to be filled with precious and pleasant, what he calls riches. Your life is under construction. This church is under construction. Hopefully, prayerfully, resourcefully, by God's help, we'll build. We'll build something. We've now been through. This is our fourth location. One we we just we just rented for a while. This is a rented space. But we'll be able to pull it off with God's help. You have to understand the importance of your own personal life though being constructed into a spiritual house I'm going to go here real quickly but you understand how sometimes we build with culture sometimes more than we do God for ourselves I've been guilty too let's be honest because if culture says what's cool is growing a beard we grow one dye my hair blonde we do it skinny jeans we wear them somebody's like speak for yourself the latest hairstyle we get it the latest nail design we do it marketers have found out how to tap into our desires to the, to the point that some of the strangest ideas, they spend the marketing on it and we spend millions of dollars to get it. And we try to stay relevant, we try to stay cool in order to build a life that we think is going to give us, have, make us fun, make it fun, get all the attention we want, make all the money we can, have the family we want. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, in, in some things, like get the best education we can because we've got a plan for our life. That's, I, I believe some of those things is important, but if it's not in here 
be careful that you get outside of the boundaries because outside of the boundaries that house on 19 literally if this were it in rectangle it looks like this with the corner of it cut off easy to say I just didn't need that much house anyway but every builder that rose that rise up that road says mm-hmm Let me close with this. There's a hotel in our city. Y'all have all seen it. It's out there behind Domino's. Y'all remember that hotel? I don't know what they're going to do with that thing. It's the one that collapsed. Did you know there was one exactly like that in New York that collapsed as well? It was up higher than that. Y'all ever seen those engineering disaster show on TV. I love watching that. Engineering disasters. That, that particular building was on one of them. Here's what happens. What happened with that particular building. They were in a hurry to get it built. And the engineer said the layers of concrete in the floors between each level needed to be minimum three and a half inches thick it had to be a certain PSI had to have certain amount of steel in it but check this out it had to have at least 14 days of cure time before you go on the before you get up on it and start anything else and in a hurry because there's money to be made you got to fill these rooms with people They didn't give it 14 days of cure time. Somebody told them 12 is good enough. Two days can matter a lot. 12 days. And it made it up to 10 stories. But on the 10th floor, it couldn't handle it anymore. This thing collapsed, fell out into the street, and killed people. It was terrible. It was a, a disaster, and they call it engineering disasters. Part of the engineering problem on some of it as well was not just the, the cure time of the concrete, but the proper bracings in the certain areas before the, the, the treatments of the wall were put on. So a two-before can only take so much weight pressing down on it. Whether it's made of wood or whether it's made of steel, it can only handle so much down pressure before it'll begin to bow and break. But what gives it its, its, its incredible ability to stay up and hold a whole lot of weight is that if it has something running in this direction connecting it with multiple. So for instance, the sheetrock in your house you can break it so easily. But if you screw it to studs this way, it has an amazing ability to keep those studs straight, supporting enormous amounts of weight upon it. They didn't have the proper bracing. So when you're building before you get the treatment on, because you've got to leave the walls open to run all your electric, all your plumbing, 
and all of your data cable through. It's got to be able to be left open or you got to put it in a drop ceiling. You got to do something with it. So what you're supposed to do, what we always did was use X bracing. We'd put a one up in the upper corner, nailing it through different studs all the way to this corner and on the opposite side of the wall the same way. Not enough bracing. It could not handle the weight of what was upon it. And it collapsed. The Bible says that you are living stones. Now, that's stone building, not wood building. And I just want to give you some understanding. You, you and I are under a tremendous amount of weight day by day. You know it and I know it. I was watching someone say the other day that human beings are more stressed out than they've been in 200 year history of our nation. That seemed a little odd to me and I wondered how they kept all that data going. Here's my point. My point is you're under a lot of pressure. And you need to go back and look at the plan. Here's what I know the plans always have on them. Every plan not only tells you how to build that wall, but it tells you how to support it if it has multiple levels on it. It tells you where to put the bracing. It tells you how to make sure that it's done right. Here's what Jesus said. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness, I've given it to you. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness, I've given it to you. It's in the plan. Just, just go open the book. Just go open the plan and check it out. Just take the time to look at it. And if you will, I'll build you into a spiritual house. And that wraps up this episode of the Covenant Fellowship Podcast. For more information about who we are, please visit us at cfbristol.com or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We hope that you have a blessed day. And as always, just like we find in Isaiah 60, verse 1, we hope you arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you.